The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Game Podcast are presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same game parlays to live in game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Bet $100 to get an extra $100 at winbet.com or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by Sports Game Podcast's Final Four Watch Party. This Saturday, sweat out your bets and win prizes with Ryan, Sean, and Kobe over at youtube.com slash sports gambling podcast. Plus, make sure to fill out our listener survey for a chance to win $100 in the form of an SGPN gift card. Just go to sportsgampodcast.com slash survey. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast. Now, it is currently early Saturday morning, April 1st, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. And you might be wondering, what are we doing with another show? Because the men's final is actually not taking place today. It is taking place on Sunday, and yes, I am aware of that. So you don't have to assume that I thought that the final was on Saturday, and as a result, I ended up rushing this podcast because I thought I needed to. No, I'm aware that the match is on Sunday. However, I figured since we had to delay a couple of episodes during the week and even outright cancel a couple of episodes because of the bad weather in Miami delaying all the match times and as a result not having enough betting lines to actually record episodes, I decided to record this episode nice and early so that way all of you will have extra time to get your bets in. And I do know that it's going to be a fun one especially with Medvedev taking on Sinner. Should be a very good match, but I figured since the matchup's not going to change and since we already have lines on everything, why wait? Might as well get it out of the way. So as a result, we are going to do the men's final today, even though it is not taking place for another day. So just keep that in mind. And yes, before any of you ask, I will address it. We are not going to be doing an episode for the women's final mainly because I have not followed the tournament enough, to be totally honest with you. So even though Rabakina is going to be the obvious choice for most people, probably who I'd pick anyway, I haven't followed the matches closely enough to give you an informed opinion about that match. Kvitova being here, good for her. I- I'm leaning to Rabakina anyway, but that's my brief analysis. I don't have much there. I really have not spent any time watching the women's tournament, so I decided that it would be a bit wrong of me to record an episode there and pretend that I know exactly what's happened, even though I'm just looking up game scores and box scores and reading off stats. No, it wouldn't be genuine. So I decided to skip it. And as a result, we are only going to focus on the men's final, which is why we're only having one more episode for the Miami tournament. But before I should get into the preview, do want to recap what happened yesterday for our betting picks. We had a great episode in the semis, ended up sweeping. We had as the lock Kakanov plus four and a half games, and that ended up getting there easily. First set went to a breaker, which may have won, which was the best case scenario for us. And then Kakanov ended up winning the second set and then eventually lost the third set. So never in doubt there. Nice, easy winner on the lock. And for the dog, we had the over 22 and a half games in the Sinner and Alcaraz match at plus 105. And that got there easily as well. Once again, another first set tie break. Wasn't the way we drew it up. Couple breaks of serve there but ended up getting there. And then Alcaraz did win the first set in the breaker, so we were a little bit nervous when Sinner was serving, down 3-4, and Alcaraz had a break point, which means basically for us, it was match point, because if Alcaraz would have won 
that point. He would have been serving for the match at 5-3, and if he would have held, it would have ended up being 22, which would have been another hook for a beat there on the total. However, Sinner kept his nerve, ended up holding serve, and actually won the match in the end in three sets. So nice sweep there, and hopefully we'll keep it rolling for the final. Also to remind everybody, we already have a play on the final, because if you backed our outrights from earlier in the uh, week, or I, I can't even say the week because it's a long tournament, so the week and a half, two weeks, whenever we recorded the outright show, if you did back all of the outrights we gave out, you already won three quarters because we won every quarter besides the Kakanov quarter. We also gave out Sinner to win the tournament. So we have center money line indirectly at a pretty decent price. So if you want to hedge that with Medvedev, I'll talk about that in a bit. But we do have a play on the final because we do have one of the finalists and hopefully we'll get it done. I didn't take Medvedev, though, when the tournament was about to start because I was concerned about his ability to beat uh, Alcaraz and I was concerned about his schedule because Medvedev has been in so many finals in hard in the hardcore season and he's basically taken no time off. He took some time off for the clay uh, while their tournaments were going on in Rio de Janeiro, etc. But the point is, Medvedev has played so much tennis. I was concerned about potential fatigue, and I was concerned about his prospects of actually beating Alcaraz, and now he doesn't have to because, of course, Sinner did it for him. But we ended up not taking Medvedev. We did take Sinner, so hopefully Sinner gets it done and we cash a nice outright in addition to all of the quarter outrights that we already won. But since I briefly mentioned what how our plays did, in yesterday's episode, do want to recap the matches in particular. So I mentioned that Kakanov won in three. That's Kakanov lost in three. Sorry, Medvedev ended up having a bit of a war there. He was serving for the first set, ended up getting broken, and then won the tiebreaker anyways. That didn't really matter. Kakanov immediately jumped on him into the second set. And even at a break point to start off the third set, when Medvedev was serving. However, Kakanov could not convert. The Medvedev ended up breaking at... 2-1, to one. and then after that, Medvedev held, and he ended up winning the final set 6-3. So really not much to take away from, besides the fact that Medvedev really didn't look that sharp. I wasn't totally surprised by that, which is why I took Kakanov plus the games. It was because Medvedev had that very weird match against Eubanks, where they had a bunch of rain delays in the middle, and there was no flow to the match, and I thought Medvedev looked a little bit shaky in that match, so I wasn't totally surprised about how vulnerable Medvedev looked, but Kakanov, I thought, would not win the match. It's why I mentioned on yesterday's show that I liked the games for Kakanov. I didn't mind over two and a half sets of plus 175, which I did mention in passing, and that got there. But I said I didn't think Kakanov would win, and I said Medvedev on the money line was probably going to end up working out. And that's exactly what happened. Medvedev won in three. As for the second match, you had a phenomenal match between Alcaraz and Sinner. I said that I thought Sinner might be live to win it. Now, I did think Alcaraz would win the match, but I said Sinner I thought was pretty live compared to what most people thought entering that contest. And Alcaraz, like Medvedev, did win the first set via tiebreak. Also, a bit of an adventure there, but he ended up getting it done, even trailed 4-2 in the breaker and won the final five points. Then Alcaraz immediately went down a break in the second, got the break back, and Sinner started to experience a little bit of discomfort with his foot, and you thought Alcaraz might run away with this thing. Sinner ended up having to fight off a break point at 3-4, which we mentioned before, but the point is, it looked like Alcaraz was going to win straight sets for at least a little while, and then the match completely turned on its head because Sinner held, then Alcaraz got broken to love immediately in the following game. Sinner won the second set 6-4, immediately broke Alcaraz in the third set, then broke again, and Alcaraz really couldn't move. He was cramping, 
and his movement was totally shot. He kept trying to stretch out his foot. I don't remember which leg or foot it was. I think it was the left one. Was I think it was the right one, maybe? I, the truth is I don't remember which one, but one of his legs just stopped cooperating with him. And as a result, Sinner made him run around the court and ended up keeping his nerve in a couple of difficult spots, but eventually got the double break and ended up winning the match. So two very good matches. The Sinner-Alcaraz first set was phenomenal stuff. They had one of the best rallies I've seen in a long time, arguably since their U.S. Open match, because the rallies in that match, especially in the early stages of yesterday's first set, was just remarkable. And I'm talking about the one shot. Everyone knows what we're talking, what I'm talking about. But the center little check swing cross court backhand shot after Alcaraz does a split on the court. You see center do a slice dig on the baseline. Unreal point. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just look it up and it'll be the first thing that pops up. But unbelievable match. And Sinner kept his nerve and got the job done. So we were even right on the leans. I liked the over. I thought Sinner was pretty live. I thought maybe it would go three sets. And everything worked out. So we expected a couple of marathons. That worked out well for us. And we'll hopefully keep it rolling here for Saturday. Now, looking at the actual match taking place on Sunday between Medvedev and Sinner. To look at the odds here, Medvedev is a slight favorite at minus 130. Sinner is plus 110 the other way. As for games, Medvedev minus 1.5 is minus 105. Sinner plus 1.5 is minus 115. As for the games, the over is 22.5 at minus 115. The under 22.5 is minus 105. And if you want to take an alt line, you can get Medvedev and Sinner over 23.5 games at plus 105. The under is minus 135. So if you want to look at the sets, Sinner to win a set is minus 240. Uh, you have Medvedev to win in straight sets is plus 190. And if you want to take the opposite, if you want to take Sinner to win in straight sets, you can get that at plus 265. So starter for starters, I got to go through the head-to-head. And let's just say it's been quite lopsided. Medvedev has never lost against Sinner, and they faced off against each other five times, including one meeting earlier this year where they played in the Rotterdam final, and Medvedev did lose the first set 5-7, but won the final two sets 6-2-6-2. They also played in Vienna in 2022. Medvedev won that one in straight sets. They played in the ATP Finals in 2021. Medvedev won that one in three sets. Weird match. Won the first set 6-0, then the final two sets went to breakers, and Medvedev won the decider 10-8 in the final set. So that was the most competitive match they've ever had. They played in 2021 in Marseille, and Medvedev won in straight sets, and they played in Marseille in 2020 and Medvedev won that one in three. So for starters, Sinner, we know, has been a good player for a while, but he really ended up becoming a well-known guy. So at some point in 2022, I feel like it's a pretty safe statement. People knew that he was good. I don't think people realized that he was top 10 good or top five good, at least potential-wise, until last year when we saw him take Djokovic to the brink in Wimbledon, and he was up two sets to nothing. I feel like that was the moment where I realized... This center guy is kind of nuts, and I do think he could be in line to become a serious threat to win a couple of grand slams. I knew that he was good, but you never know when a guy's going to top out as a quarterfinalist or a semifinalist and when he might actually be a guy you can envision holding trophies. And I feel like that was the moment when I realized in Wimbledon, this guy's center's built a little bit differently. Now, we had a couple of close and competitive clay matches against... Uh, Alcaraz, he won a match in there. I think it was an Umag, he won in three sets. But the point is, you do kind of have this moment where you realize it wasn't a fluke, this guy's legit, 
that was the moment I realized Sinner was a big deal because he had not had much experience on grass and he still took Djokovic to three set to, to five sets, I mean, and he gave him a serious run. Now he lost the match, it happens, but Sinner since that point has been a machine and he does have a bit of an issue beating up on some of the elite guys. Now he has had a competitive history against Alcaraz, did lose to Alcaraz in the US Open and in the Indian Wells match but got revenge for that yesterday. However, Medvedev has been a guy he's never been able to beat, and a big reason why is because of Medvedev's unique style of play, and the big reason is kind of a two-parter based off of what I just said, is the fact that Sinner doesn't really go to the net that much. Does he have good feel? Kinda. He's not an awful volleyer, but he's not great at it, and I do feel like when you're facing off against Medvedev, who stands so far back behind the baseline, you need to try to shorten some points and potentially win some free points if you hit a good kick serve because you need Medvedev off the court and Medvedev's a brick wall. The last thing you want to do is go into a bunch of 30-shot rallies with a wall, and that's been the issue that Sinner's run into. And I bring it up because Sinner has not beaten him, and a big reason why is he doesn't go to the net enough. And I do think Medvedev has shown time and time again he's going to try to outlast Sinner in these long matches in what should be two two and a half plus hours three hours and you assume that Medvedev is not going to get tired because he never does and you assume Sinner should be able to keep his stamina on in in check but we know that his overall form can take a dip at times and we saw that in yesterday's match where a couple of times Sinner's level fell off and all the Galcaraz is going to run away with the thing but the point is I do think to start off with the total I like the over I see a competitive match and I do think that there is value on expecting another marathon now, I do have to segue briefly for a brief gambling lesson. You can also have an option of taking the over two and a half sets at plus 110. The gambling lesson is never take the set overs when you can get the game total roughly around a reasonable number for five cents cheaper. It's plus 105 for 23 and a half games. And once again, you can still win that prop and lose the three-set prop if you end up getting a 7-5-7-6 or 7-6-7-6. The point is, if you like the over and you're expecting a competitive match, then why would you assume both players automatically are going to win a set? You might as well give yourself some extra outs, per se, and win if it is a straight-set victory, but those two sets are very competitive. So the brief gambling lesson, if the total and the number of sets are not separated by... I'd say at least 20 cents. Don't bother taking the sets. You're just better off taking the games because you give yourself extra outs in order to win. And the counter argument is, well, let's just say that you have three blowout sets where it's 6-1 apiece. I'll take my chances. It's hardcore. Medvedev and Sinner are both good servers. I'll take my chances that you don't see a bunch of 6-1s and you end up with a match that lands 21 because you had three separate 6-1 sets. If that happens, then you deal with it. That doesn't happen. That's not common enough to worry about that and be paranoid about it. Take the games instead if you like the over instead of the sets over. But anyway, for this match, I just mentioned I like the over. I do think Sinner's quite live to win this match based on his form, and I do think that he has a serious advantage since he was given an extra day off leading up to that Alcaraz match, which might have allowed him to really not drop off much towards the final stages of that third set, but also because he got a bit injured yesterday, 
and now he has a full day to rehab or to recover. So the point is, I think Sinner should be fine. He looked fine in the final set. Maybe he'll have some extra wrapping on. Maybe he'll take a potion or something before the actual match. And I'm not that concerned about the injury because I think that the day off is going to help him out. And I do think that's worth bringing up. Now, I do find it a little bit weird that Medvedev is 5-0 and head-to-head, and yet Sinner is only plus 110. Now, I said in yesterday's episode, no matter who won the Sinner and Alcaraz match, I thought it'd be Alcaraz, but still, I said no matter who won that match, I would pick that person to win the event. And the main reason why, from what I saw in the event, I thought that Sinner and Alcaraz were the two best players. And Medvedev, I know with the record, has been great on hard court. I get it. But I watched him against Eubanks. It was a little bit of a weird match, though, with all the rain stoppages, and I acknowledge that. But I thought Medvedev looked a little bit vulnerable in that match, and Eubanks just cracked the top 100. So I wasn't overly impressed by that Medvedev performance. Sinner, though, was beating up on some really good players. Destroyed Rublev, destroyed Rusevori. He did not drop a set the entire tournament until facing off against Alcaraz. But the point is, Sinner has been really, really good against quality players, beat Dimitrov in straight sets. You know I'm anti-Dimitrov, but he's still pretty good on hard court, and Sinner beat him pretty easily. You're looking at Medvedev, and he hasn't played anybody. He beat Baina in the first round, who's a clay court specialist, which means nothing to me, ended up beating Mulcan by walkover. Mulcan didn't show up for the match, so he played one less match in this event than Sinner did. Then he faced off against Hallis, who, once again, is another young and up-and-coming guy who's not really, you know, an impressive win by any means, beat Eubanks, who's barely a top-100 player, and then struggled against Kakanov yesterday, and he won. So Medvedev has had an easy schedule, and the one difficult player he ran into was Kakanov, and he almost lost. So I think Sanders in better form. However, I do think it is weird that Medvedev is only minus 130. Once again, he's 5-0. and I mentioned the flaw stylistically with Sinner's game and how he doesn't really approach the net enough, and he doesn't volley well enough, in my opinion, for him to fully exploit Medvedev's unorthodox return style. But I think Sinner is in great form, and I know Medvedev's vulnerable, but do I think Sinner should be a bigger price than plus 110? I do. And I know you're going to think to yourself, what is he talking about? I just said that I think Sinner is going to win the match, and yet you think the price should be bigger. I do. I'm not sure if there's much value on plus 110. Just because I think Sinner's going to win doesn't mean I think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a very close match, borderline coin flip, but I find it weird that Medvedev has been this dominant head-to-head, and the odds aren't bigger. I find that a little bit weird. If Sinner was plus 125 or plus 130, I probably would pull the trigger on Sinner Moneyline, but at this current price point, it might sound extremely unorthodox, or some of you might just think it's stupid. Even though I think Sinner has a great chance to win the match, and I'm probably picking him to win the match, I think the value is actually on Medvedev, as crazy as that sounds, because I think that this number should be higher. And I could just be wrong. Even though I think Sinner's in better form, stylistically, Medvedev has given Sinner fits in their careers, and I think as a result, Medvedev should be around minus 145. So I think Sinner does not have much value at plus 110. I'm not worrying about it because I already have him to win the tournament on an outright. So I will be hedging to address the question before. I will probably partial hedge where I will bet some on Medvedev to guarantee some profit. But if Sinner wins, I'll still make more, if that makes sense. So I'm not completely hedging down the middle. I'm still leaving a little bit extra on the bone 
for the Sinner winning scenario. But I will have something on Medvedev because of the 5 nothing head-to-head. But other than that, though, I think that's going to wrap up this overall preview. Now it's time to get into the lock-in dog picks. But before we get into that, I can have a quick word from our sponsor. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Game Podcast Network. WinBet is now active in Massachusetts and a ton of other states. And March Madness is here. So many ways to bet on the big dance. Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get an extra $100 with the state availability. And of course, for our DGENs only out there, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. So if someone to choose from and all you have to do is head over to winbet.com or download the WinBet app. Offer some change term, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough women is available. If you or somebody knows a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Look and hang out with Sean and Ryan at Stadium Swim and watch the biggest golf tournament in the world. You can win a three-night stay at Circle Las Vegas to hang out with the guys. The contest is completely free to enter. Just go to sportsgampodcast.com slash golf party. And if you don't win the contest... That's okay. You can still get a discounted on the a discounted room price using the promo code SGP15. The Final Four watch party is going viral. Hang out with the guys on their YouTube channel for the entire Saturday of Final Four action. Live bets, prize giveaways, and much more. Subscribe to youtube.com slash podcast and tune in on Saturday. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy continues their March Madness college pick'em. It is a great way to get in on the action, especially if your bracket is busted. Plus, Underdog Fantasy has your favorite college basketball player props and great NBA and NHL daily games. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the men's final on Sunday in Miami between Medvedev and Sinner, but now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the show. Hopefully, we'll sweep again after we ended up sweeping the semifinal show. So starting off with the lock for the show, not going to overthink this. Give me the over. I'll take 22 and a half games at minus 115. I think a 7-6-6-4 scoreline is pretty reasonable. So if it doesn't go three sets, I do think that it is likely you see a bit of a war between these players. We saw the first set in the Rotterdam match land at 7-5, so I think you can end up seeing a bit of a marathon set or two in here. And, of course, if you end up getting a three-setter, you basically win automatically. So for my lock on this one, give me a competitive match. Give me the over 22.5 games at minus 115. And for my dog, even though I mentioned that center in the full match at plus 110, I'm not sure possesses a lot of value because I think the line should be higher. I will pivot and I will take Sinner to win the first set at even money as my dog. Now, a couple reasons why I'm going to take the first set instead of the full match. The first reason is because of the fact that even though Sinner is 0-5 lifetime against Medvedev, he has actually won the first set in two of those five meetings. So he has been successful at getting off to fast starts. And then he has struggled as the match has gone on and Medvedev has settled in. And we've seen Medvedev on occasion get off the slow starts in service games. I think Sinner could get a get an early break and potentially just coast to a nice first set win. But simply put, I do think mentally, if Sinner does lose the first set, I cannot envision him coming back and winning the final two. I know he did it against Alcaraz yesterday. Alcaraz also had some physical issues, which helped Sinner really just put him away. But the point is Medvedev has great stamina. He's one of the most fit players on tour. His style of play really isn't a great matchup for Sinner, which is why Sinner is currently 0-5 against him lifetime. But I do think that Sinner's capable of getting off to a fast start if Medvedev starts off slow. And we did see Sinner 
win the first set against him at Rotterdam before things fell apart very quickly for him. So Sinner has that success early on in first sets against Medvedev, at least compared to full matches. So I think I'm just going to meet somewhere in the middle of expecting uh, Sinner to do well, and I'll take him to win the first set at even money because we have seen Sinner take a set lead and then fall apart against Medvedev twice in his career. So once again, the lock and dog picks for the men's final in Miami on Sunday are going to be the over 22 and a half games and minus 115 as the lock. And the dog will be center to win the first set at even money. That's going to wrap it up though for this episode. We're back once again next week to look at the actual schedule. We do have a pretty fun little uh, wrinkle here for next week because of the fact that we are changing surfaces again. We have a couple of clay events. Uh, you have just to pull up the actual schedule. You have a tournament taking place in Houston, which is one of the most random clay tournaments of the year. And I think it definitely should be a very fun one. So I'm looking forward to that. I, from what I remember, I believe that's one of the slowest clay courts or clay, clay um, tournaments in the entire schedule. So keep that in mind, but I do want to quickly pull up to make sure I'm not forgetting any events, but I believe it's all clay next week. So just quickly pulling that up, you have, sorry, just quickly looking at this, you have, sorry, just uh, quickly pulling it up. Yeah, you have a couple of tournaments going on. Uh, so starting off with the tournament in Houston, which I just mentioned, you also have a tournament taking place in Morocco. And you also have a tournament taking place in Portugal. So we have three separate clay tournaments taking place, which should be a lot of fun. I knew I was forgetting a tournament or two, but I also wanted to make sure I didn't forget any. I knew Astoral was next week. I might have forgotten about Morocco, so I wanted to make sure I had all three. But we have three separate clay match clay tournaments. I'm not sure if we're going to fit them all into one preview episode or outright episode. We might have to divide it into two. So we'll see how long that episode goes. We'll try to keep it under an hour. But keep in mind, we do have three, count them, three ATP tournaments next week, all on clay. And I'm sure a lot of you have been a bit tired of seeing the favorites win all the time in hard court. Alcaraz is great. You know, Medvedev's great too. You don't mind seeing a couple of double-digit underdogs or long shots win a tournament or two. And I do think you might have a couple of really good options, especially on clay, Three tournaments. You might be able to find a couple Cinderella's next week. So the schedule will revolve around those three tournaments, and we will be covering them in some capacity, either all in one episode or potentially having a breakaway episode for one tournament if it gets too long. I'm assuming we can fit it in one. We have fit three tournaments in one episode before, but that is going to be the main thing I wanted to bring up. It was going to be the upcoming week schedule. So... Other than that, though, that's going to wrap it up. You can find me on Twitter, Rice Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show tomorrow morning on Saturday. So you can find me there. Besides that, I did an NFL show with Terrell earlier this week. We did some pre-draft win totals around the league, some best bets if you already are looking forward to NFL football. Check that out. But other than that, though, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.